I'm kind of ready given <laughs> yeah. what we just discussed yeah. and how, how ill-prepared I am but other than that, that that's fine. Ready. <laughs> yeah. So how are you uh, how are you dealing with this ridiculously hot ridiculously hot weather? It's so <laughs> stupid and you know the thing is I, you've experienced hotter weather than this I'm sure in your travels and stuff Yeah like that, but, but it feels so much more unnatural in Ireland like yeah, I was just sending really a voice does. message to my friend earlier on I said I can't believe I'm going to say this but it's too hot it's just like <laughs> it's all it's all fun and games until it starts getting into the late 20s and kind of like yeah. 30 and then it's like oh, I hear God. now this is a bit too much <laughs> and um what what's the hottest you've experienced uh, well when when I was in Australia we went to a place uh kind of in Cooper PD and also in Uluru kind of right in the center of Australia and it was almost 50 degrees it was like 45 wow. degrees so it was the kind of heat that you just couldn't get out of like you, you go outside for 10 minutes and then they'd be like right back in the car like you weren't <laughs> you just weren't supposed to go outside for longer than 10 minutes and then yeah. there was all these people climbing Uluru which you're not supposed to do anyway because Aboriginal people don't yeah. like when people do that but they really don't like it when people do it and then die <laughs> so it makes them really sad they, sh- they should they probably that. take that handrail off it then yeah. don't they have a is, handrail is that goes handrail? up to the top I think oh, there okay. is yeah. right. probably because people, that off people just keep insisting on doing it even though yeah. they've been asked several times not yeah. to do it but then they do it in this crazy heat and it's yeah. just ridiculous but it's like well, sorry what were you going to no, say no no no, no I was, yeah. go ahead it's like that type of heat when you open the door say if you get out of the car or whatever it's just like walking into a sauna it's oh just God, kind yeah. of crazy a dry crazy. sauna yeah a very very dry sauna now I am um, in New York about that was over 10 years ago they had a power cut that knocked the power out of the whole island right and I was I was there for that oh so, okay but and that was incredibly hot but before that that I was there visiting my sister um, with my my pal Derek and we were <laughs> We, we got there that night, it was hot, but next morning we walked out and it was like eight in the morning and it was roasting. Oh, eight and o'clock in the morning, God. Yeah, and then by about 11 o'clock, it was just really, really climbing. And we both looked like somebody had thrown a bucket of water over us. <laughs> and because of the humidity or lack of humidity, it just doesn't dry. Yeah, So you're just soaked in your own yeah. sweat. Yeah. And it won't go away. <laughs> it was awful. It's like being in a constant shower. Constant yeah, hot shower. Yeah, of your own. A constant yeah. salty your shower. Horrible. <laughs> your shower own that smells. Byproducts. <laughs> it was disgusting. That was, yeah, that was the only thing about the heat in Australia. It was very dry. So you yeah. kind of dried off very quickly. And then you sweated profusely. And then you dried off quickly. So oh, it was kind there was of no drying like, here. But we had a... I remember we went to the cinema in Times Square there used to be a cinema there under the Virgin Megastore and I remember going in there we just went just to get out of the heat mm-hmm. but I remember coming out going it must be nice and cool now <laughs> open the doors of the Times Square and then oh, yeah. just this hair dryer of <laughs> yeah. hot air at 11 o'clock at night and then we went down into the subway which is about 10 degrees hotter Right. I just thought, oh god, no. yeah. I've heard and, about New York summers and that they're. I've been there unreal. in the winter time, but I've heard they're supposed to be really brutal it's during un- the summer unreal. sometimes. Unreal. But it's crazy though in Ireland in that the fact that you know the way there used to be a thing of don't go out in the midday sun. The midday sun's yeah. really dangerous. All that like that's changed. That's not a thing anymore. Like it's like <laughs> in Ireland, it's like from five o'clock on, it seems to get yeah. really really hot. So yeah. I don't know if that's climate change or if that that twelve o'clock thing was just a bit of a myth that everybody said for a long a time. Myth, it's probably a bit of both actually but yeah it's been ridiculous you know yeah. like I, I i didn't really have anything reason to go out today and i didn't really want to but 
uh, my living room is obviously at the front of the house where it gets the sun a bit more. So I just spent the day in my in my bedroom, <laughs> you know, just keeping away from the heat and then creeping out every now and again if I needed anything. Creeping your but, head out the door. Is it yeah, gone yet? Yeah, trying to get a bottle of water from the fridge with a stick. <laughs> yeah, because it's mad. I don't like complaining about the heat because I love the heat and I love the sun. I'm such a sun fiend. But like at just the last couple of days, although mm. it's it's just when you're in your car, especially, especially a car with no air conditioning, oh, yeah, that's the worst. And my car is already loud. So when I have all the windows down on the motorway, it's like I'm driving a tractor or something it's so loud <laughs> like a shuttle <laughs> <entering> the atmosphere <laughs> yeah so it's it's just been ridiculous and i don't yeah. know how long it's much longer it's supposed to go on for but yeah it's another it's just, couple of days yeah. anyway and the thing is like we've had a i'd say we've had a week of this yeah that's and, enough now. but and we're all going that's plenty you know, yeah that's plenty, yeah when you know. it started and we were like hooray heat wave yeah. and i was like oh jesus this is a bit much now <laughs> but the difference between like 20 and 23 degrees yeah. is huge yeah it really come is come on yeah yeah but I, that, like yeah. like you say you were in 50 i was in i think 43 to 45 mm. in new york and it was um but i i just don't know how i got through that i remember you know feeling that i was darting from one air-conditioned building to another yeah you know, just to get out and i go i'm not gonna make it yeah <laughs> And you're passing New Yorkers in the street and they're bone dry. on the way to the next yeah. one. And I'm just going to be a puddle with my clothes and I'll be gone. You know? You'll be like Alex Mack. Do you remember that show, Alex oh, Mack? Oh. <laughs> do you not remember? It was on Nickelodeon. Maybe oh, well, come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm watching Nickelodeon. You were like, how old? Like 10 and tried. I'm 23. <laughs> What's this? Know? Alex Mack? <laughs> she, it was it was a girl who got um, covered in some sort of um, radioactive waste. We were, people were obsessed with radioactive oh, waste a, in the 90s. And yeah. uh, it got thrown all over or something. I don't know what happened. She was skateboarding and it fell over on her. Anyway, then from then on, she could, you know, melt down like your man in the Terminator. Same type of thing. Okay, yeah. By the way, I'm going to be doing this a lot because I got my first vaccine today. Yeah. And I've been told to move my arm. So I look like... <laughs> Rain is making a like swimming with one arm kind of gesture, you know. <laughs> That's the way I swim. <laughs> In a circle. my good arm. Yeah. <laughs> so but, I like yeah. the way in that cartoon that she she developed powers rather than, you know, all her hair falling out and her dying. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's a much, I was much watching, nicer... Um, yeah, I was watching a, uh, a bit of um, Chernobyl, you know, that TV show. Oh, that was yeah, on yeah, yeah, yeah. It, nobody got powers in that one. No, <laughs> no, no. Everything somehow got worse for everybody. Yeah, definitely. That would have been a better story. <laughs> let's, let's segue uh, seamlessly into our first, uh, our first subject today, which is um, this way the up. TV show. Yes, this way this up. Way- yeah. <laughs> so this way um, up, and do you know what? You could, you will have done a pre-recorded intro for this one, I'd say. Of course, and so. here it is. This way up, season two continues the story of Anya, played by Ashling B, as she tries to put her life back together after the events of season one. Anya is on the brink of having it all as we join her here. Her romantic life seems to be on the up. Her work situation has some interesting developments and her sister, played by Sharon Horgan, is decorating her dream home and about to get married. But life in sitcoms can never stay happy for very long. It'd be nice to be in bed with someone at night other than my pile of shit boyfriend. What pile of shit boyfriend? Just like the pile of shit on the other side of my bed where a person should be. Oh, come mate. Just clear it off your bed. It'd be nice to have a reason to clear it off. Gonna take my time. 
my boss wants me to start a teaching business with him. Anya, this is huge. I am. No, but I mean, it might be too big. Shut up. I'm a brilliant teacher. The students love you. What does my face look like? Crazy. Very funny, Mo. And the parents love you. Bye, Etienne. But we can't tell anyone here until we have it set up. Wow, so many secrets. What do you mean? Uh, life. James. <laughs> I'll be home in two weeks, and then we're getting married. Show the uh, little baby me. What are you going to do with that? Aw. Might open up the stitching at the back and... Oh, oh. brother, no! I wish I was there, strangely. You're planning on sleeping with one of your clients. It's not the best move. I really like him, Shona. You need to up the horny. Do a little dance. Dance? Like Britain's Got Talent? Don't make me laugh. But also, well done for knowing that cultural reference. I want us to be friends. I've actually started dating someone. Oh, who? Great. Who? That's great. You have to show in life if you're either in or you're out. And I'm, I'm out. In. I'm in. We're all just out here trying, aren't we? And sometimes what you want to do. Honestly, that's, <laughs> oh no. Is scream. I really worry about you getting carried away. Shona, cop on. Carried away. I don't think I've ever heard so many Jesuses. Mm, yeah, sorry to talk about my ex in bed. I love you. Do you love me? Goodbye. I love you. Do you love me? No. Do you love me? I love you. Bye. We are so smooth. Oh, slick. Smooth as. Wait um, to hear about later on when I've forgotten to review oh, yeah. <laughs> See how we deal with that. Um, So uh, did did you watch the first series at the time when it came out or did you catch up on it later? I did. No, I watched the first series when it came out, first of all, because I I love Ashleen B and I love Mm. her comedy and I've always kind of followed her as a comedian. Comedian. Do people say comedian anymore or is okay, just comedian? That's like the time I said manager Yeah, yeah. No, don't forget that. (laughs) Jesus Christ. We were in the staff room one day and uh, uh, Will said (laughs) he was talking about a female manager and uh, he called her a manager. Yeah, it was my, my sister-in-law. <laughs> and I was saying, she's the, she's the, what do you call it? The manageress in the shoe shop. And of course, you could say, if I had said, oh, she's an actress, no one would have blinked an eye. No one would have blinked an eye. But I said manageress, they were on it like a light. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, I think it's just manager now, Will. <laughs> yeah, like, like, I was the biggest sexist pig in the world. <laughs> It was very funny. Yeah. There was a good few people there as well, which made it even yeah. better. But um, oh, people <laughs> love to jump on a thing like that. I think. And I'd be and one of them. I'm sure. I it's, know it's, yeah, definitely. But anyway, so uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, so um, the female comedian uh, Ashley Mee, I really just like comedian. her. Just comedian. Just <laughs> comedian. That's all she is. She's a person like anyone else. You don't have to just differentiate. Yeah, the, uh, the comedian. I actually really, I really like Ashley Mee, and. Um, so we came out and, and this is the, the interesting thing. When I first watched it, I, I liked it, but I didn't like it as much as I thought I was going to because I think the problem was, so it's Ashley B and Sharon Horgan star in it and they're supposed to be sisters in it. And I had recently enough watched Catastrophe, which Sharon Horgan writes and stars in and mm. she's brilliant in. And then Ashley B, I'd seen a lot of her comedy. So I think I was kind of just, I didn't believe the two of them as sisters at first. I was okay. so, I kind of associated Sharon Horgan so much with her character in Catastrophe. That's good. That's interesting because there were times when I went, 
oh yeah, Rob Delaney is not going to walk in the door. Yeah, this yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. I, it must have been recent enough before I watched the first season. Yeah. And then so I, if for, actually, I liked the first season, but there was a couple of things about it that I remember watching it and thinking, oh, the, I, I can't stop seeing Ashleen B and Sharon Horgan because to me, they were both so, mm. they were both so good individually and I, I love both of them and I thought they were so funny, but I just kept seeing them as their actual, you know, personas, their real personas rather than yeah. their... their um, um, characters but then I watched so then when I started the second season but I, I, st- I thought it was very good and I thought Ashley B was very good in it I thought it was really well written she she mm. writes it and I thought she she delivered her lines very well and she was obviously very funny but then we said we were going to review the second season for this and I loved the second season I really yeah. liked it and then all mm. of a sudden their bond and their relationship as sisters well I think in the first episode again I was kind of like oh I don't know if I believe this because first of all I was thinking um well first they don't they don't look like sisters and they don't sound like sisters in that uh, you know, Ashley B is from Kildare. She's kind of got a country, sort of a slightly country twang, whereas Sharon Horgan to me sounds like she's a posh Dubliner, but apparently she's not from Dublin. I think she's no, from somewhere she... outside of Dublin. But she does yeah. kind of have quite a, you know, almost like a south side Dublin accent, I think. But anyway, so that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, do people not notice that they, they have two different Irish accents? Anyway. Well, Dublin people wouldn't know because we just unless it's a very over the top uh, accent we just I I would find it hard to pick out somebody's accent I would say okay right because I was thinking maybe English people because the same way with you know if I heard two English people who were kind of from the same area I might think they sound the same whereas English people might think oh no they've got very different accents so I thought that at first yeah Sorry, go on. Sorry, but then, but then, as it went on, then it, it all of a sudden started to seem a lot more natural, and and their relationship and their bond felt more real and everything mm. else. So then, by the end of it, then I totally believed them as sisters, and yeah. I totally believed they had this lovely bond and their relationship and everything else. And I just thought the writing was so funny, and she was so funny. So I went back and watched the first season, then after watching season two, and I way preferred it the second time around. Like right, because right. I suppose I had just watched season two, and I was had just watched the show, really believing them as sisters, and re- okay. really believing Ashley B as this woman Anya, mm. as opposed to Ashley B and everything else. Right. It yeah. seemed a lot more believable to me the second time around. So I'm really mm. glad actually that I went back yeah. and watched season one. Well, for you... those who don't, for those who don't know, I guess uh, it's the story of Ashley B's character Anya, and she is um, she's a English language teacher. English language teacher, yeah. And she has in the first series, it starts with her leaving a rehabilitation center. Yeah. And after you get the impression that she she'd made an attempt on her life at some mm-hmm. point, which becomes apparent over the course of the first series, and this series picks up um, fairly soon after the first one. And uh, she's doing a lot better. I I, I yeah. found that this series was a lot lighter. Yeah, in definitely. some ways. Yeah. Than the first one. The first one was was dark at at some mm-hmm. points, and which is great. And I think that it's one of the brilliant things about. Uh, well, I think Ashley B was an actress before she was a comedian. Yeah, I sure. think she went to Rada or whatever that right. um, very posh acting yeah. school is in, in but, England. And I was, but I I think there's you know when comedians uh, try to hand that acting I think they can be they have a natural uh, aptitude for it because yeah. I think because so much of their work is dependent on timing so they've got yeah. probably a more advanced sense of timing than mm-hmm. or how to deliver something than most actors are certainly as good as in, in lots of ways yeah um but I, I I thought what I really liked about the second series was that I kind of felt that she it was really after the first or second episode, I kind of felt that they weren't going to do 
anything to the characters just for the sake of drama yeah. Like they weren't going to mm. punish them. And I really love that in, 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 in any piece of work. You know, certain things were, um, or certain shows might have gone right. Well, she's starting off this first series quite well. How's it all going to go wrong for her? Mm-hmm. And it kind of doesn't really go too far wrong for her. There's, there's no. misunderstandings. But there are some moments in it where something hurtful happens to her and stuff like that. And she is so good in her reaction to those things in the show. She is so brilliant. Ashley B. Yeah. Yeah. There's a scene where she's introduced to her new boyfriend's friend and they have this mm. great night in the pub. And then mm. at the end of the night, she overhears them talking yeah. about her. Mm-hmm. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah, just it is, And yeah. they're not being particularly mean. I think yeah. it's just one guy, his friend is kind of maybe not warning him off as such, but kind of cautioning him that this mm. might not be worth the effort because she might be have too much baggage or drama. Whatever it might and he's be. saying yeah. that she, she talks a lot and she kind of wasn't expecting a show and she was here and putting almost yeah. saying that she was putting she was a bit much basically was what he was saying that she she was a little bit too much but you know the thing about that is if uh you know if that had been just a mate that he introduced a male friend that he introduced mm. they wouldn't be having that conversation oh, no, she not wouldn't at have all. been no, too much that's... she wouldn't have been too much putting on she just would have been gas crack yeah you know? no that's that's and i thought that was yeah yeah and i thought that was yeah i love that scene as well because and that's one of the things i love about the show i think the way she handles first of all any sort of issues with mental health and loneliness Mm. especially loneliness with women and different things like that and and how women are perceived and how they kind of want to be perceived and exactly like what you're saying there i think with a woman i think there's so often there's this thing of it's either you're too much or you're not enough like it's you know one or the other it's like if you're talking loads and you're you're like really loud it's like oh she's a bit much and if you don't do it enough then it's kind of like oh she's very quiet see there is that thing you know there is that kind of i think balance that women have to strike sometimes that i don't think men do i think men kind of oh i I think i think i think we get we get let off the hook for a lot you know yeah definitely Uh, but i've never seen that in a tv show before now maybe there have but i've never seen a tv show yeah and i haven't seen in a film either and i thought the way she wrote it and the way she delivered it as well like i don't know if this is something that she's had some sort of experience with or whatever like i was wondering that is her how much of her character is based on her own personality obviously the two characters are very very funny and and you know and and very it seems to be very nice and down to earth and relatable and all of that but But i uh, think she sorry go on no you go on no, I was going to say that she uh, does a brilliant job, uh, as well as in her her off-screen persona. And I guess, you know, whenever you see people being interviewed or whatever, it is a performance. Mm. But I think with her, and also with, with Sharon Horgan, you do get this impression that you're seeing their, uh, an amplified version of their off-screen relationship yeah. and how they come across as sisters. Mm, yeah. uh, but she does this amazing job of... Um, appealing to everyone i think yeah do you know what i mean yeah. i think she's she's you know i think every, all men would want to be mates with her as much mm-hmm. as they might fancy her for argument's sake you know yeah. but she's and i think a lot of women i don't think she would be perceived as threatening in that Fresh, traditional yeah. way which is an awful way to be thinking about people yeah. but it's uh but and i think maybe maybe it's probably a little bit outdated that thinking i'd like to think it is but i think there's a healthy amount of it around oh definitely oh yeah i think yeah no i think that that's a big thing especially with women as well it's like as well as you know either being too much or not enough there's also the thing that 
you can be seen as a threat as well like there is sure. and, and other people and other women sizing you up and all that sort of stuff like there's a whole lot of other yeah, stuff yeah. going on there when you when you you know meet people for the first time but I think yeah I think you're right I think Ashley Mee seems to kind of well I would have always thought that as well she sort of seems to tread somewhere in between and that you know yeah. she's very she'd be liked by women and men but the fact that this show there's just a couple of things that have come up in this show say about her personality especially in the second season because the first season sort of dealt with her um issues with mental health and loneliness yeah. and all of that much more so than the second season it's kind of brought up a little bit in the second season but the second season it almost seems to be more about her character and her personality like yeah. on more than one occasion it's kind of been insinuated by male characters that she talks too much or that possibly this yeah. man Richard feels like she talks too much so that's what would make me think oh I wonder does she have experiences with that oh, in, I'd her, li- in her own but also, life yeah. but also you could easily make the point that the Richard character does not talk enough yeah well know? see this so, is the thing yeah and that's yeah. that's what I was thinking as well like we don't know you know what's going to happen the third season yeah. because, but I was thinking at some stage yeah and you know he seems nice but maybe I don't know if he's maybe I don't know if he's the right guy for her he's yeah like, she's so funny and you know yeah absolutely but know. I guess I'm, I'm kind of conscious that we're talking about the and uh, uh, assuming that people have have watched so yeah I guess you, okay to. so so I guess the the scenario is that she is uh secretly seeing her uh the father of one of her uh, students, students. Yeah. he's like an extracurricular FDM. student and yeah. he's uh he's 15 he's a French uh kid who has met his father relatively late in his life and he didn't know he had a son yeah you know so they have a they have a a fraught relationship in a way so she is seeing him kind of uh in secret so the people she works for doesn't don't know this is happening Mm -hmm. and her boss in in her job has proposed this business venture that they go into together yeah and uh uh, so she, they're all excited about this, but he doesn't know that she is seeing the father of one of yeah a student mm-hmm. that has come to her, her attention via his, the job yeah and her sister uh, Shona played by Sharon Horgan is uh, is joint owner of a wealth management company yeah and, yeah uh, mm-hmm. and she at the end of series one she started this uh, relationship with her partner Charlotte yeah and she had just accepted her future husband's proposal at that mm-hmm. time he in this series is in new york so you know one of the, one of the things i thought about about this this series was that of this in the six episodes the kind of complications came along quite late mm. do you know what i mean like I, I was kind of going this is all going quite well for her and it was around episode four mm that the wheels are starting to come off for a lot of the characters in some ways yeah and then it was over by episode six yeah so part of me kind of thought maybe one episode earlier to kind of bring in some of those issues a bit more but then again I you know I might look back at it because I I watched the first two episodes again this evening just before this and um I didn't I then I didn't really feel that there were pacing problems at all I kind of yeah it's funny because uh, I kind of just wish almost there was another episode the episodes are quite short I think they're only 30 minutes or something like that yeah so they're quite short and they're so funny because though you know I thought there was a really nice pace to it and that yeah the first couple of 
episodes they're just kind of setting up setting up the scenario again for mm. season two kind of reminding you a little bit of season one but they don't remind you too much which i like it's kind of like no if you want to know what's going on go back and yeah, watch yeah. season one Absolutely. basically but um shona basically has just moved into vicious house house which is only 20 minutes from london but apparently that's you know everybody thinks that this is really far away so that's kind yeah. of one of the first episodes that happens in the first episode but i, I just felt the first couple of episodes were lovely because it was just a lot it was there was a lot of jokes and it was, it was yeah, kind of a lot of really nice funny. banter between her and yeah. sharon Horn. And, but it was and, all um it was all uh it was all humor and jokes just based on whatever they were doing they yeah, weren't yeah they weren't big um they weren't big plot driven laughs they were yeah. character driven laughs and mm-hmm. stuff like that which i which i thought was great yeah and, but i just that relationship between the two of them is just fantastic yeah um, it really and, is and the ep the episode with the uh, sharon horgan's um or shown as hen party <laughs> i thought, yeah, I thought yeah, that was great but yeah and maybe the reason why it comes quite late as well well i think the whole of the second season was actually filmed during um the lockdown which is yes, you know amazing yeah, yeah. that they're even able to do that but that's oh, yeah. dealt with that only comes in in episode four i think or something think so, yeah, in episode yeah. four you, you hear on the radio that it's announced that the country's going into lockdown and they actually mm. handled it i think thought they dealt with it really well and that they're it only is. showing the very beginning of the lockdown you know they haven't started wearing masks yet but there are, are other people in the series who are who are wearing masks or just people in the background are starting to wear them so it kind of seems like it might be a bigger thing in season three but i thought they dealt with that really well but uh, yeah, I think the only thing about I thought it was great and I thought it was really natural. And definitely uh, when I started watching, it, I thought it was a lot lighter than season two. But then say from episode four on, you kind of start to see these little issues creeping up. And kind of like we were saying before about Anya's character and her personality. And you can kind of see how some of her insecurities and maybe some mm. of the issues that got to her before might start creeping in again. And her kind of, it seems like she's, there's a, I suppose a... <clears throat> relying she's kind of definitely relying on the richard character a little bit as well she's obviously besotted with him and yeah. you, i i thought you could start to see where and this is what the shona character is so worried about as well you could start to see where oh if yeah. this if this doesn't work out mm. this might be a bad this that could she could that could lead her down a bad yeah. road basically so you start to sort of almost see hints of that i think in this season but i thought it was like i'm really i really really hope they make a season three i think yeah. depend or based on the reviews that i've seen anyway because it seems like it's kind of been sort of universally you know applauded yeah. and, and people are saying the second season is almost even better than the the, the first season yeah right. but uh but I, i'd love yeah i'd be really interested now to see how they'll deal with those issues that are kind of starting mm-hmm. to rear its head now in season two yeah. in season three but i i think it's just lovely to see it's just really int- i haven't seen a show before that's dealt with the the issue of loneliness in people yeah. like this, especially in women. I've seen yeah. things alone, like, you know, loneliness in men and different things like that. But I haven't but seen become something like such that. A, that's become such a trope, isn't it? That in, in films where the lonely man who needs to be brought out and, yeah. you know, and but, you know, I just think it's such a, I don't know, it's been done to death. There was a it's thing kind of a cliche. And sometimes really the, the thing that I've seen with men as well, it almost seems like in, in, in films, men are always portrayed as, 
rather than being lonely, it's more that they're loners and they prefer to be by themselves and they don't want to be, they don't want to be yeah. with the, the people and, you know, they and don't want to be in relationships because of whatever happened in the past or whatever. Yeah. And then they meet But they will have who, sex with you. So like. Yeah, yeah. You know, that type of thing. Whereas this yeah. is different. This is somebody yeah. who wants to be around people. She loves being yeah. around people. But for some reason, especially in season one, not so much in season two, yeah. but in season one, she doesn't have that many people around her. She only has but her she, sister and her flatmate. Yeah. and But she... What I really liked about it was that she has improved in in season two and her trajectory mm. is broadly speaking up because yeah. I think it would be it would be awful to undo her progress in season one just so as you could have just to service the plot. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And I just think, you know, I, I, the idea of I can't imagine Ashley be sitting there going, well, how can I how can I punish me in this thing yeah, and then what can I yeah. do to me? I think you know she she's rooting for her character and she's, yeah. she's you know and I, I just really love that because I was reading um, I read two books recently by the same author uh, and you know small kind of uh, uh, disclaimer is that he's a he's not pal of mine from band days but he mm-hmm. my friend Ronan Hessian is his name and uh, Hessian and he has written two books one of them is called Leonard and Hungry Paul and the other one is called Penenka and I would recommend them wholeheartedly to anyone. They're two of the best books I've read in a very, very long time. But yes. uh, what I really loved about them was from page one, I knew that he wasn't going to punish his characters at yeah. all. And it was just brilliant to see, you know, and mm. he, he, you just feel in safe hands. And it's just that it struck me in this that she wasn't going to punish her characters. She wasn't going to have them become invincible superheroes in, mm. in taking on the world and winning every time but it's an ongoing struggle but she's better equipped to deal with it in this series than the last one mm. but one of one of the best moments in the whole thing was um uh when she first uh, sleeps with uh richard mm. and you know i'll just have to tiptoe delicately around this a little bit but he <laughs> he can't r- rise to the occasion so uh he he agrees to go another route and uh but she she has said earlier in the in the episode that she, you know that it's been she just wants to be touched you know and it's been so yeah. long since she's been touched and then so she she has uh her special moment in that in that, in that moment <laughs> and it's just moment. but her her acting is so good well i can't you know i don't want to come out it's she has, she brings her to orgasm but she she is so good in that scene mm, uh, yeah, I just, because is, it's yeah. look it's such a it's such a vulnerable moment for mm. anybody and she just so delivers on that moment as, as, an, yeah. as an actor and uh, yeah. I just thought she was amazing yeah and, no she um, is she's great she's a very very good actor and I don't think I realized how good she was in season yeah. one because in season one I thought she was just being Ashley and B but it's only again when I watched season two and then when I went back and watched season one yeah her and because she's very subtle I know she's very you know she's a big personality and everything else but actually like what you're saying there how she reacts when she overhears them talking mm. about her and then when I went back and watched season one every so often people actually kind of make little digs or jokes that, and just seeing how yeah. her expression her, her, changes exactly and yeah. it's just a micro second yeah it, that it kind of hurt but not face. wanting yeah not wanting Amazing. to show it and yeah that's an interesting point you meant as well I never thought about it like that because I didn't know that's what it 
was that I was feeling. But yeah, there's something really nice about knowing that the show creators or writers or whatever are not going to try and punish their characters just for the sake of it. And I think yeah. that was the feeling that I got too when I watched this. And that was one of the mm. things that made it really nice and kind of, I don't want to say feel good because that kind of maybe conjures up a different type of show. But there is a little bit of that element, especially in season two, where you just kind of think, mm. oh, this is just so funny and it moves along so well and the pace and the flow is so nice and it's everything so natural between the two yeah. of them. But I think a lot of it is what you're saying is that you, you're really rooting for the characters and you feel like the show's creators are rooting for the characters. And the other, the other thing about her is that she's not without her flaws as such. Well, not, yeah. not necessarily flaws as such, but she has her very human moments where, you know, I think that the, one of the things that some people tend to do with, uh, with, with characters, particularly lead characters, is they, they're almost flawless. They're, they're these... Mm. They're these yeah. uh, they're they're incredibly funny they're incredibly beautiful they're great dancers they're great fighters they're great race car drivers they, they're brilliant at everything you know yeah, but she, yeah she has this scene where um is it her friend as a tom his name is mm-hmm. who she who she he was in the first series and he was a yeah. recovering alcoholic. Uh, substance uh, alcoholic yeah, yeah, yeah and so he is going through the 12 steps and he meets her mm-hmm. and he is kind of trying to not trying to put a bit of guilt on her but he ends up making her feel quite guilty and she reacts quite strongly to him mm. and uh, basically storms out of the, the, the coffee shop <laughs> yeah, and stuff yeah, like that very, very funny, funny and everything yeah. and you can see it from both sides in a yeah way. yeah i think you could see it a little more from her side than his but mm. you know because mm-hmm. he's kind of wrapped up in the process and doesn't he has, doesn't seem to have a full grasp of what, what he's saying and how yeah. it's coming across mm-hmm. but in in those moments you know and it has an impact later on in the show, but I, I just thought those were the things that kind of, you know, not that it was ever in any danger, but it could so easily have been just, you know, a vehicle for her to be funny. Yeah, and no, to just do her yeah. thing, and mm. you know, and just you know, crazy escapade after another. Yeah, you know? but yeah. It's, no, it's not like that at all. It's no. a very believable character, and that it's yeah. very, it's you know, she's clearly she seems like a lovely person. Like the character itself is is, is seems oh, like yeah. a lovely person and very funny and everything else, but you can see those yeah insecurities you can see the areas where she might fall down slightly or she's just a believer but she's a human being it's, yeah, you know absolutely. it's three-dimensional yeah. she's not one note or anything like that so yeah. Uh, yeah that's and the fact that she you know that she's the one writing this as well i think it's uh yeah it's great and it's also very very funny like there's been yeah. a, there was a lot of time it's just that i can't even because now i'm mixed i'm thinking about season one and even when i went went back and watched season one there was parts um that I watched that I remember not finding as funny the, the first time around but then I watched it the second time like when they were doing their their song you know when they go over to Vicious family and uh, oh, the, yeah, mother, yeah. the mother makes them sing zombie and that's so funny and then and this the hen party as well I just do you know what it is and I'd love to know how much of it is improvised and how much of it is written because if it's all written then that's it's written brilliantly because it feels like improvisation it's so funny and so natural it feels like that actually there were times when I kind of felt I think I'm seeing an improvisation here rather than something that was written I, I, but i yeah. think maybe i'm just thinking that because i know that that's how they would do it yeah well that's yeah. the thing but to be honest you know, catastrophe was a bit like that as well so maybe oh, yeah. that's just how they write because i yeah. loved catastrophe and actually i must go back and watch oh, it now after so watching good. this yeah. and it's so funny and natural that sometimes it feels like it's improvised as well like maybe there is a script and then i'm sure they do table reads and then if somebody comes up with something funnier oh, or whatever no then they probably just go with it but it is oh, yeah. it's it's brilliant and it is lovely to see the two of them together they obviously have a very good bond off screen 
screen because I don't, yeah. you know, obviously they're both good actors, but, you know, it's very obvious they have a very good relationship off screen. But yeah. to see them together as sisters and they're really, and it's lovely as well because they're showing a character just is always watching out for Anya all the time, particularly yeah. in season one. In season two, Anya's in a much better place. But it's lovely because it's kind of that, that sisterly bond. And even when, you know, if she doesn't feel like she's other people, Sean is always there looking out for yeah. her. And that, that's really nice to see that on screen as well. But also, I think um, it's nice to see uh, sisters portrayed on screen where they're not put in conflict with each other. Yeah. You know, yeah, they, they, yeah. It doesn't, they don't seem to have a lot of issues built up in their childhood that they're still mm. addressing or yeah. one isn't jealous of the other yeah they just care for each other and they look out for each mm. other and sometimes they annoy each other but yeah general you know it's it's a very normal human relationship I yeah think. And, and they've uh, also yeah and, and they also have that bond because you know in the in the first season you find out that their father died um I don't know if they were young or, or whenever it happened. And then Ashin B's in real life, her father died when she was very young as mm. well. He died from suicide. So yeah. and I don't know if they ever actually say in the show how their um, father I don't died. I think but so. Yeah, so they kind of brought in that element from her own life as well. And that, it seems like that it, that's kind of brought them very close as sisters too. Yeah. So it's very believable in that way, you know. She did an amazing interview. I, I want to say it was on the Adam Buxton Oh, podcast. I, I listened to that. Yeah, oh my God, that was, was so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just, I just think she's brilliant. She's just one of yeah. those amazing talents that yeah um, she really is uh, and her stand-up is great i really love it yeah and she she's so funny but she's also in the show in particular there's such a kind of vulnerability to her as yeah, well and but and incredibly she, kind yeah she's, it's it's you yeah. know you know what i love is kind of um she strikes me as the kind of person who you know they say if you're going to make fun of somebody don't make fun of only make fun of somebody about something they can fix in the next two minutes yeah. like so if there's something mm. if there's something hanging out of your nose or yeah, whatever right. yeah. don't That's make fun of something that would require require surgery or yeah. you know or that's going to take <laughs> months just don't make <laughs> just don't be mean for god's sake but it's yeah. um but she is a very generous mm. uh uh, comic you know and i yeah. think she's a lot she's very self-deprecating and stuff like that and i think just it's i can't remember who said it but somebody was saying that um you know for male comics i think they were talking about they were saying they don't want any good looking male comics in there because they're kind of going because you know it wasn't easy for it was easy for you you know <laughs> you know things came easy for yeah. you and you know mm-hmm. by any by any measure uh ashling b is a, is a very attractive person mm. but she uh but you know just by, by virtue of not being a man, she you know she's got plenty of uh, material to work with. But I think yeah. she her her comedy is very very uh, uh, self deprecating, mm-hmm. but in a very relatable way. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, oh it's definitely, just yeah, so yeah. good. And at yeah. first, I remember seeing her first, and there was a lot of hey, all these noises she would make yeah. and stuff like that. But and I just thought that could this could go one of two ways here and i could really but i just think she's just yeah a super she does make a lot of noises she's, but i do think they're but i think funny. they're hilarious and, and also her accent she's so good at doing accents and she's yeah. so fun her impressions and things like that i just the amount of times she was she was just like just put on a voice and i would just be laughing for the next couple of minutes yeah. after but would you be laughing out loud in, on your own lorraine we, yeah I, oh yeah well, i no, recently that, that was, I recently found out about Lorraine that if she's watching something on her own, all the laughing is internalized. <laughs> well, no, that was the 
the thing and that's how I know that I really like a show is that I laugh out loud and there was a couple of times it's not like I'm laughing out loud for two minutes constantly like in you know straight through but it's like I'll be like ha, that's, or that something that wouldn't be a weird that would be a weird thing to do you know you have a very two minutes approach straight. to laugh just not two minutes but in my flat just laughing for two minutes straight what's the point if no one can hear me is it like a tree falling in the forest or something <laughs> did it actually really happen yeah, no, it wasn't really funny <laughs> no that's the one thing I noticed about this actually uh, I think I'm laughing more out loud in my old age oh, as well I'm I'm as, I guess. <laughs> as in when I'm by myself yeah. I think I laugh out loud more probably see I was going to say because I'm less self-conscious but like who am I trying to impress when I'm by myself so <laughs> laughing laughing is not about impressing so <laughs> But I, I oh did. I did notice with this, I laughed out loud a, a lot. Like every episode, I laughed out loud. The whole. And is it like the, one big ha, or is it a couple? Uh, of, is it it's a like ha, a, ha? it's like a one big ha followed by a couple of little ha. Little pimples. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. It's hard right. to think now. I'll record it the next time. Do you get a fright it when it happens? Do you, <laughs> do you ever go ha hoo? <laughs> What was that? No, not okay. yet. Anyway, maybe one day I'll. I'll All you know, right. Well, you know, this really this big gets laugh the, and you know fall when, off my chair or something. Look, when Lorraine tells you she laughs out loud at something, <laughs> you better believe that that's the highest compliment. <laughs> that's, not, that's my that's my five star standard there. I think it's L O L A L O L A for you. Laugh out loud alone. That's <laughs> that's the. Oh, I think we, that doesn't that, sound good. <laughs> she's not always alone. It's a choice. Um, right, so I think that's the highest praise we could give this yeah, show that you I laughed, laughed out loud by myself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's on. Um, it's on the all four app. It's, it's on, on channel 4OD, four OD, which is great. Yeah. And, so I watched uh, it completely so, legally as well. So I was very, yeah, me too. very proud of myself. Me too. Watch the gonna, ads and everything. Well, you don't have a choice, but yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. But I did. I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to watch it again actually because I'm I'm nearly halfway through a second run through of it. So right, I well, really enjoyed watch it. Season, yeah, yeah, I'm going to watch season one as well. But it's uh, yep. Wholeheartedly recommend yeah, it. Definitely would recommend it. Great. There you go. <clears throat> right. Now so we were next thing we were supposed <laughs> to do was the Britney Spears documentary. Uh, there was uh, a pod- podcast, a p- podcast called uh, Pieces of Britney that uh, I suggested that we listen to, and Will said, "Yep, yeah, definitely." And then uh, we discovered today that I have been Will very has... sick in the past week, but in I'm fairness, just gonna. You have. I'm just gonna pop off and listen to it now. I'm back. Right, Ding. so the magic of editing, I have, I have listened to it and we're going to talk about it now. Pieces of Britney is an eight-part series for BBC Radio 4, which sees journalist Pandora Sykes trace Britney Spears' incredible life, from her childhood in rural Louisiana to her coronation as the inaugural pop princess of the internet, navigating an insatiable celebrity gossip complex, true to a young mother on trial by the paparazzi. Often referred to as a pop culture phenomenon as well as a pop icon, Britney Spears was the most Google woman in the world for seven years. Controversy has swirled around Spears throughout her career, starting the moment she swung that school locker door shut in the music video for Baby One More Time, aged just 17, and following her throughout her struggles with what seemed like a very public breakdown nine years later. Pieces of Britney mixes documentary, archive, interviews and drama to tell Britney Spears' chaotic life story. Pandora Sykes pieces together what we know about Spears' story and what it tells us about sex, entertainment, and most importantly, how we treat women in the public eye. Right, so we just heard the amazing introduction. 
<laughs> so and you, now we're you, going forward back in time? Yes, forward exactly. Back in time. time travel has been perfected and this is what we're using it for. <laughs> we're, not going, we're not going back to kill baby Hitler or anything. You know? <laughs> to re-record our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to destroy the technology. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so right. you recommended this to me. Uh, I did, yeah. yeah. It came up as a suggestion on Spotify, and I, I had been, um, I had been meaning to watch that documentary. There's a documentary called Framing Britney Spears that was released in February. Um, just, I think, just before the all the the court cases about Britney Spears's conservatorship um, yeah. came out, or maybe it was in the middle of it. I can't remember now. And I never actually got around to watching it, but I'd heard that it was very good. So I, I saw this come up, and I thought, oh, this sounds quite interesting. So uh, it's an eight part podcast series by BBC4 and it's Pandora Sykes is the name of the woman who uh, who produced it wrote it and, and produced it and she, she narrates it as well so uh, yeah and then I started listening to it and I, I found it really really interesting so I thought it might be a good one to talk mm. about but how do how much because I didn't know much at all so how much did you know about Britney Spears um, and her conservatorship and all of that sort of stuff I didn't know there was a conservatorship I knew she was doing like um like a Vegas residency and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And I, I, I kind of thought that was weird that that's where her career kind of ended. Mm -hmm. But then I kind of thought because of all the issues that she had had, or as it turns out, whether they were exaggerated or not, it felt like this might be a kind of relatively safe environment for her to continue working in, like yeah. a residency in one place rather than touring the world and all the stress that that mm -hmm. brings with it. Yeah. But I had no idea that there was... Uh, well maybe I didn't know that term conservatorship and I didn't know that that's what was happening to her I did get the sense that her career was very much controlled mm, and yeah. um but I really had no idea to the extent that how that impacted on her life being yeah. controlled as well you know yeah uh, but the the podcast um uh there was a few things I had problems with about it but maybe we'll come to those a bit later but mm. uh yeah so I with regards to her and what she was doing all i knew was that she was she was doing that vegas residency hadn't okay. really i thought i thought she had kind of stopped as a recording artist maybe as well right. maybe there hadn't yeah. been any records in a while yeah i hadn't really been following her career either i i thought she might have released some things in the last in the last few years i did i didn't actually know that she was doing the vegas mm. residency ship residency residency ship make it harder for yourself <laughs> <laughs> just added on an extra syllable there <laughs> but um, the residency but um, yeah so I thought uh, I actually really liked the documentary and I felt like I kind of learned a lot about it because I really thought sorry do, do you mean this you said documentary did you mean podcast oh, sorry or? the podcast okay. yeah, yeah yeah um and i learned uh i kind of learned a lot about the whole case and everything because i didn't really know much about it i think i thought kind of like i think a lot of people that you know she had some issues with mental health she had seemed sure. to have a very public breakdown good few years that was probably seven or eight years ago now and then because of that her father took control of her assets and her career and everything else and it really seemed like at the time it was all for the best and it was only after listening to this podcast that i realized that it it seems like that that possibly wasn't the mm. case at all and everything leading up to that breakdown as well now kind of looking back at the time it seems so it just sort of seemed like wow she's, she's she's really lost it now or she's kind of lost the plot but now when you when i listened to the podcast and heard about her life leading up to that and especially the intense paparazzi scrutiny that she was getting everywhere and mm. her career and how full-on it was and how intense it was it now it totally makes sense that she's had this it's kind of like sort of similar to i know it's a different situation but when you're listening to the Sinead o'connor autobiography and, and we were saying that she was she was very badly abused by her mother when she was younger and now it kind of makes sense 
sense that she might have had some issues as she was growing up. I know Britney Spears wasn't abused when she was younger, but I think the way the fact that she got into the spotlight so young and she was so sexualized they go overtly sexualized when she was so young that which is something they talk about on the podcast a lot and and so controlled her whole life and then the way the paparazzi and the media treated her and everything it's actually terrible i didn't Mm. realize how bad it was and now it kind of it all seems to make a lot more sense than it yeah. than it did before, and I thought the podcast did a really good. Like I think there's, there's two, there's a couple of other Britney Spears documentaries, especially at the moment. There's Framing Britney Spears, and there's another one that was made a couple of years ago by MTV called Off the Record, and I think there's another BBC one. But I fe- I think this one seemed to be the most sympathetic towards Britney Spears. Mm. And I think um, the thing that came across for me was just it sounds obvious now, but just but the level of exploitation that was you know she was subject to um and, and also just the amount the sheer amount of perverts willing to exploit yeah. her in terms of journalists and Unreal. like when she was 17 and that guy it did that interview with her and took those the photographs of her yeah, the rolling stone yeah. interview and yeah stuff the photographer like that. and the journalist both of and them were absolute the, sleaze absolute bags. scumbags and but the questions they were asking are about her virginity yeah. and stuff like that yeah. and then the way Justin I, Timberlake kind of well. yeah when Justin Sorry, Timberlake kind of he he had a he gave into pressure about that uh, DJs on, on radio asking him did yeah. he sleep with her and stuff like that and he kind mm. of you know he kind of he kind of sold her out in that sense and you know he oh, totally. ends up looking like the guy who took her virginity and yeah. she looks like you know this fall from grace let's put it like yeah, that but, yeah. but also yeah. just just how damned if she did, damned if she didn't, she was. And, mm. and in a sense, yeah. like this whole idea of, you know, this very Southern idea that she had of, um, you know, saving her virginity for for mm. marriage and marriage, all of that yeah. stuff. And, and, and you know, maybe that's a very unrealistic ideal to live up to in some ways. But she had said this thing at 16 or something mm. like that. And then was... Yeah. And then it was countdown to this. When is she going to yeah. lose her? And that's still happening. So, that happened for Billie Eilish recently as well. Oh, wait, Billie Eilish the was the thing? most. Yeah, but she when she turned. Well, she, I don't know if she said it, but there's so much speculation about it. But as soon as she turned 18, Billie mm. Eilish was the biggest searched term in um, on various porn websites that day. Oh, God, and, as soon and, as she turned, turned as 18. The day oh, she actually, turned 18. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I heard that. It and Charlotte Church, there was newspaper mm. reports about when it... About her virginity, yeah, yeah, as well. It's just, it's absolutely crazy that people think they have the right, first of all, to even ask people about that. It's, but that's like to, to talk about it and to publicize. There's definitely this idea, and, and I think it is changing slightly, which I think is good, and they, they mentioned this in the podcast as well, but there seems to be this idea that if you put yourself out into the public domain in anywhere, if you're mm. a celebrity or whatever, we can say and write whatever you want, whatever we want sure. about you because you're kind of asking for it, basically. You know, you, yeah. you're you the one who put yourself into the limelight and you're the one who has to kind of deal with the criticism yeah. now. And that, I think that was just the mind frame for a really long time. And like, I would have thought like that as well. When I was in college, I told you before about my irrational hatred towards Britney Spears when I was younger. And that was when I was, that was one of the interesting things about listening to this podcast. What was it based on? Why didn't you not, why did you This is the thing, I don't, I think it was actually Actually, not to try and justify my actions, but I, I do think a lot of it was based on the way she was portrayed yeah. in the media because it was there was such a kind of um, yeah. a, a kind of almost this vitriol against her. I don't know if that's mm. the right word as soon as I said it, no, but it anyway, <laughs> I'm going to move swiftly on. But um, it, that I just found that 
that there was something about the, the way she was portrayed she was kind of portrayed as this kind of person who again was sort of like putting herself out there really sexually and she was just a look at her and like you know she she kind of wants all this attention and yeah. I suppose a lot of it is I, I, I think just it's only now when I look back that I realise how, how crazy and like a lot of my friends would have been the same how crazy that kind of you know mm. feelings towards another a female another woman but it's how, it's how it's presented to you isn't it I mean, yeah, you get that's the snapshots the I... you get the shaved head you get the smashing the window yeah you, but you don't see all the bits in between but no, I, that's think, the thing. I think i think with her i mean like all celebrities up, up to a point they do court the paparazzi they do rely on them up to a certain point mm. and they use them until they don't want them anymore and you know there's that parasitic symbiotic relationship that they can sometimes have and she was guilty of it now that is not to say that she deserved anything that happened to her as a result it's it's that old thing of you know if you didn't want all of this kind of stuff to happen to you you shouldn't have tried to express yourself creatively yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. and yeah, that's all that's all anyone is doing like they're just trying to mm. like, yeah they, that's they, the thing i'm sure there's but, plenty but of people I, who would argue that britney spears is not maybe in it for the art as so much as the fame and the money or whatever it is but that's that's a bullshit argument because mm. what does it matter what her reasons are you know yeah um, and yeah and it does seem like she genuine and i always thought you know and the and the whole and i suppose as well the whole kind of you know this strange you know dislike towards female stars when you're younger i think probably some of it is a little bit of jealousy as well because they do look so amazing and you know mm. that you know a lot of a lot of men find them very attractive and all of this but i do think it's the way they're vilified in the media and so it was really interesting listening to the podcast because pandora sykes was the same age we're, we're i think we're the same age so she would have been the same age as me mm. when britney spears came out yeah. and all of that so it's interesting kind of hearing about her own recollections of yeah. it and they were very similar to my own recollections but it's just it's only when i listen to the podcast again that i i realized yeah nothing like that was ever said about the male pop stars at the time like oh, they no, were never no, no. asked about no. their sexual activity or no. like when they were but planning just, on losing their virginity or anything but it's like just that. assumed that they're you know that these things are happening but with her it was like when she was 17 they they were so overtly sexualizing her and you know you know but when her sexuality kind of all, almost caught up with their expectations of her in a sense like when she like they were looking at her at 17 in a way you would expect them to be looking at somebody i don't know five to seven years older mm. than that yeah but when mm. she got to that point and maybe her you know her sexuality developed to, to be more overt or whatever yeah then they didn't want it yeah then, i know then, it was so almost like uh, she was over the hill at that oh, stage but, but the also, way they, like, they wrote about it yeah but it's also but it was a moral judgment on her as well like mm, it's like the yeah. what uh the, the presenter went into the virgin whore kind of mentality that they yeah when she's the virgin they want her to be the whore when yeah. she's the whore they want yeah. her to be the virgin oh someone. yeah definitely and she yeah. just couldn't win with that stuff no that's the thing yeah. and, but it was yeah. the, the exploitation and the, the the horrible attention that came onto her and the things that were asked of her and just Stunning, and she really. actually for a long time she handled it very well like you would she hear did, yeah. clips of interviews and you'd see interviews where people even people like oprah would be asking her about where who would be that trying was, to be sympathetic yeah. but then would flip and, and you yeah, know, say, but, you, know you are stuff, you yeah know. you are uh, an example to young girls and look at there's uh, young girls out there now saying that they want to be sexy like you and i don't even think they should know what sexy is it's, but it's like, was, that's not yeah. her responsibility and it's also that's everybody around her yeah, creating everyone, this image of her everyone wants to take the responsibility off the parents who are allowing their kids to watch this stuff mm. just because kids like her that is not her responsibility 
yeah, parent your no, own kids. Completely. But I think with the Oprah stuff was was pretty bad because, like, there was one point where she was talking about, um, I think she was talking about Justin Timberlake and her getting married or something. Yeah. And a conversation mm-hmm. that happened. Oh yeah. Over the phone. Over the phone. And yeah. she missed mm-hmm. that moment about yeah, that was over the phone. She, and she, she said she she said she woke up and she he said this. And then she said, well, where were you? And, you know, you said you were in bed and all that. But there's this kind of pretty mm. kind of digging into. And, you know, Oprah is a person now who we all think of is above reproach and would never. is very wholesome. Mm-hmm. and very But she was as tabloid as anybody at that time. Yeah, you know? it seems like that from the interviews. Yeah, I just the, throughout the podcast, I just felt so sorry for Britney Spears. And that I know she always wanted to be a star. And <clears throat> this was so, this is something she wanted from such a young age. But it just came at such a cost. And it seems oh, like in some yeah, ways yeah. it ruined so many. It, it, it's all, like, I don't know how she how she's doing now or what the state of her, her mental health state is at the moment. But in some ways, you know, and not that she can't come back from it, but it has kind of ruined her life and uh, a little bit, I think. Yeah, and. and, and, and it's Sorry, stolen their 30s from her you know yeah I mean, no just... definitely and just that that i don't know the fact that and the in the podcast they spoke a lot about the amount of medication that she was on and it seemed like she was almost it's it's almost like she was being you know fed this medication and mm. she didn't even know what she was taking half there, the time and there seemed to be a point in it where the conservatorship at the time it happened might have been an over-the-top way of kind of saving her at a very, very bad yeah. point in her life. Yeah. But mm-hmm. 13 years later... Yeah, that's the thing. Possibly she, at the beginning. Can, if she can work, if she can go out there and work, surely mm. she could have her own phone. Well, surely she well, could go to a thing. shop on her own. I, I didn't realise she was working so yeah. much. I yeah. had no idea she was still releasing loads of singles. She can't... No, um, she, she can't... Uh, organize her own money she can't get married she can't control mm. her own birth control she can't have children because this yeah. is all has to be decided on yeah now, no, i guess I, the one thing i wanted to or two things i wanted to mention about the podcast that kind of uh i, I had a bit of problem with one was the reenactments oh right i actually really like them i thought they were just padding i just thought right. why am i listening to these imagined conversations that we okay. don't know if they happened. We don't know how they happened. Some of them were just outright boring. They were just nonsense, just padding and filler just to get from. I think without that, without that reenactment stuff, you would have had a six episode run rather than an eight episode run. Mm. And I just thought there were points in it where like I thought it was quite well written. Those things mm-hmm. and the performances were quite good. But mm. what they added to it for the most part even when there were parts of it where I was going, oh, this is kind of uh, an interesting insight, but it didn't happen. I, there's no way to know that this conversation happened. And mm-hmm. I think if you put that in, no matter how many times you say, you know, these are imagined conversations or whatever, they, they blend into the reality of it in a way and you think you've heard a conversation that took place. Because the voice actor yeah. uh, who plays Brittany is very good. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. so I, I kind of thought that stuff was at best unnecessary and at worst misleading right okay i actually really liked it i really like like i do i do like when you know documentary and drama is kind of mixed together like that but i actually thought they worked really well because i thought they weren't overacted and they they weren't over the top or anything like that and i know what you mean i definitely some of them the the, some of them were unnecessary they didn't need to be there and i actually think yeah probably possibly you never really see a seven part series but maybe even six episodes might have been enough of this because it did kind of pad it out a little bit where they where she meets adnan 
Gilson is yeah, that the was, paparazzi and there's yeah. this, this conversation between them where she's doing a British accent and stuff like that mm, mm-hmm. and now maybe that came up somewhere but I was listening to it going skip this bit you know I don't yeah. need this you know? I don't know see for me now because it kind of it helped me visualise the story more and it helped me bring it helped bring me into the story a little bit more because now when I think about say like the Rolling Stone they have reenactments um, or dramatisations or whatever of of how the parents reacted when they got the pictures and it all seemed quite realistic like it all mm. seemed like things that might have actually happened and it seems like they might would have somehow taken this from somewhere either Lynn's book and yeah. I thought the woman Lynn is her mother's and I thought the woman who did um the voice the voice of Brittany I thought was very good and she really sounded like her and I even the kids and everything and when they were going back to mm. when they were in the Mickey Mouse Club like for me actually I quite liked that element because I thought it wasn't over the top and it wasn't very cheesy or anything it was very kind of subdued I, I definitely think there probably wasn't a need for as many of them but for me it kind of brought me into the story more but I do quite like elements of drama in yeah. documentary and I can see why other people might find that completely unnecessary I, I do think maybe think the that volume possibly, of it was maybe yeah so maybe there was too much I do think that and actually when I was listening to this thinking oh I wonder is this this might be the way that kind of podcasts go and they're kind of changing all the time but there might be more elements of drama like mm. that in it but I, I didn't know her father her father seemed to have been uh, quite a bad problem with alcoholism when she was younger I didn't realize that he mm. he seemed like a bit of a tyrant at times as well oh, yeah. and it I didn't is, I didn't realize that that yeah. that was such an issue in her life yeah. I think the other thing that I had a problem with was the presenter had seemed to have no issues with anything that Britney Spears did mm, had no yeah. issues with any of her behavior didn't call mm-hmm. her on anything not maybe that's not what she's there for but she is certainly calling everyone else in her world uh, out on their behavior and, and rightly so but there was an, an, an incident where Brittany drove with her baby on her lap mm-hmm. driving the car yeah and she had she had nothing to say about that you know mm. I just yeah. kind of dismissed it oh that's a southern thing I don't I, I just found that so hard to believe and mm-hmm. you know she was saying oh she's getting criticized for the slightest thing like driving with her baby <laughs> on her lap and I, I just kind of thought like what no, kind of world is it when we can't drive with babies yeah, on but our also laps? you know even then even her very erratic behavior like of getting married and then 55 hours later getting an annulment and stuff like that hmm. there was no there was no kind of acknowledgement that this is a person you know thundering downhill you know mm-hmm. and, and it was all just you know people overacting everything she can't do anything without people overacting yeah. so th- she was i don't know i think she was too she was too uh re- hesitant to kind of you know to make any kind of call on the behavior you know and mm. i guess it's not her place to do it but yeah. when you just say these things and like you're I mean, you're criticizing the people for criticizing her, mm-hmm. but some behavior is is up for criticism. Yeah, you know, or yeah, at the very definitely... least, discussion as to what it means or what, it, you know. Um, I just thought she was too in love with her subject a little bit. Mm. Yeah, no, I definitely think she gave a kind of almost blanketed view of of Britney Spears, and she was just very much, you know, re- recounting the details of Britney Spears' life, where she was she was kind of casting a little bit of judgment on everybody else. But I, I I thought possibly the reason why she was doing that was because there's been so much criticism of Britney Spears and her actions in the past mm. and and her behavior and everything. She probably kind of thought, and she kind of says from the start, and she says at the start of every podcast, "This is a sympathetic." 
um, hearing of Britney Spears' story and it's a sympathetic mm. telling of the story. So and maybe she just sort of felt is. like, I, you know, I, I'm not going to do what everybody else did. I'm just going to present the facts of Britney Spears' life and I'm going to tell you about everybody else in it. But I know I, I know I agree with you yeah. in that. I think in that way it was probably a bit too much in, in that when the way she presented her life as kind of as if she didn't do anything wrong and everything else was everybody else was just controlling her and, and her actions and everything else. But I, I do, I suppose I, I can kind of understand why she didn't talk about that she didn't criticize her too much or anything like that because she probably felt that that had been done enough at this stage she'd yeah. been criticized so much and there were the documentaries where she might have been criticized as I well think but no also, i think so um with with uh journalists is they can sometimes be hedging their bets as far as if i say anything too bad about the subject of this i will never get an interview with him i will never you know i have yeah. to be sympathetic to him and if you see it yeah, in like you possibly. see it in them um, in like even movie and music magazine reviews or whatever where is they're not gonna slate somebody who they know if they put on the cover could sell a lot of magazines for them or whatever it might be yeah, uh, yeah. so they'd be you know where if an album was two out of five it might get three you know right just because okay of it. yeah but yeah, I, no, there's I, maybe that's a bit cynical that but I, well. I think she uh i think she 95 percent of it did a great job but mm. there were parts of it i was kind of going yeah you need to kind of you, you can't be you can't gloss over this as much as you did yeah you know, driving yeah, a with a baby on your lap is an incredibly dangerous thing to do but it was the reason i don't know much about that but wasn't the reason because a lot of these things seem to happen when she was being hounded by paparazzi and was just trying to get out there i know i know you don't that's not no. something you do you don't put the baby on your lap but like oh, but, you but know, i don't it, know it, when it could you be see a reaction it, to the stress of it it definitely it could yeah. be yeah that, that's the thing I it was yeah that was one thing the podcast really pointed out to me was that her her breakdown was as a direct result of the paparazzi literally hounding her and we see videos now and I, I was watching um a documentary about Diana recently and it really their two lives actually it's you know in some ways there's a lot of similarities and that mm. they were really just hounded and abused by the paparazzi and that just seems crazy that people are allowed to do that actually you know go almost go into their cars and you know be kind of jumping over their cars and, and you know, putting them in really really dangerous situations mm. that to me just seems but, like appalling that they're allowed to do that yeah but the other side of it is and I, I guess this is one of the areas that the uh the documentary or the podcast series ended up at where there was this horrible guy i can't remember his name but basically had this network of of what he called oh, rats who would uh, guy, yeah. who would basically mm-hmm. you know sell information or photograph stuff like this but his point was and it's a very valid one that if you pick up these magazines and buy them you're mm. fueling it you know so yeah. it, we, we i mean i don't buy these magazines i don't kind of go out of my way to find these things but anyone who picks up those magazines at, at you know uh checkouts and stuff like that because generally where they are you know yeah i know i've heard yeah and i have heard that argument a lot and i do agree with that and i don't i used to buy those terrible magazines like heat and they were particularly um cruel towards britney Mm. spears and then even things like the daily mail and things like that i don't read or listen to or uh, watch any of that sort of stuff anymore now because i just don't find it interesting anymore but i think I think if it's uh, not to be excusing people's behavior, but I still think it's the paparazzi and the media that are fueling it. I think if it, if it was gone, I don't think there would be an uproar like, where's my Daily Mail? There might be some people who no, would no, do people that. No, people would but get I think used to it very they quickly. Are still, yeah, but there's I, I money think they to be made. Still, 
there's money to yeah. be made and it's, well it's, I know that's the thing and once there's money to be made they're not going to change it but I still think they should be held more accountable oh absolutely, for, absolutely. you know but rather if, than the people who are buying it and who are reading it because oh, no, they're I, kind I, of just reading what somebody else has, has put out there you know yeah but you spend money and that money paid that paparazzi but not people who are who are say reading something on Daily Mail that's free so anybody can, it's oh, too any, easily online, online it is but yeah. it's the print version the, of the Daily Mail yeah. that generates the money you know? yeah and, that, and they sell ads you know so if you click mm. on it you know yeah you're adding oh, yeah, there's the, definitely it's a supply and demand thing there's obviously I'm, a, you I'm know not people saying want I don't. it i'm not saying i don't do this or i don't click mm. on things but but we we have um i mean this way if it was just web clicks that were generating this money i think it would be be a lot less paparazzi out there but yeah. i think we all have to take the responsibility for how we consume this stuff yeah definitely you know, yeah yeah because we generate so. the money that pays those guys if the money wasn't there to pay them they wouldn't be doing it anyway you know yeah no that's true and there's always an interest of kind of morbid interest in celebrities and their downfall especially as particularly sorry particularly female celebrities there's not yeah. as much of a fascination people don't want to see any male star crumble i like either there's not very many people unless they seem like an absolute yeah. arsehole there's not that many people who they'd be kind of happy enough to see a really huge male celebrity kind of have this downfall the way they are with female celebrities and now that does seem to be changing a little bit and that was one thing they talked about a lot at the end of the podcast series was that you know one thing even in terms of mental health it's much more accepted now when young oh, yeah. female stars yeah. come out and say they have mental health issues or they suffer from depression or um post um the, i think it was ariana grande said that she had post-traumatic stress disorder after the manchester bombings and then obviously there's people like and Sinead o'connor was treated the exact same way in the 90s she was treated yeah like this yeah, kind of yeah. crazy person because she ripped up a, a, a poster of the pope like now yeah. it seems so kind of tame in a way and sharon stone came out about it as well so i think this is all good and that i think it's moving towards i don't know women in general and especially female celebrities kind of being more accepted for themselves kind mm. of for their their as a human being as their flaws and they're not just you know thought of as this kind of one-dimensional yeah. being that has to just be perfect all the time and people are just waiting for them to have some sort of tumble the whole time yeah. and mental health issues are much more widely accepted now but as somebody pointed out in the podcast they feel like and and even the sexualization of female celebrities as well somebody pointed out that they think all of that sort of stuff that is and that kind of i suppose hatred in a way towards women and female celebrities is still there it's just a lot more subtle now mm. than it used to be but whereas think, it was more overt in the noughties well at the time when she was enduring it and you know it was mostly tabloid and magazine kind of uh uh, outlets ripping into her but i think the it's definitely changed now i think but i think the vast majority of the readership of those magazines were women mm. and i think it's now it's and but it I think, was men writing about it though oh absolutely generally. yeah I, I, I completely absolutely and i think that's like even that rolling stone thing was just one of the most yeah. hor horrible thing and, and rolling stone is not a magazine that, that women, yeah. a lot of women buy you know so there's definitely that but I think mm. the tabloid ones, the ones that were paying the big money for the paparazzi photos, because Rolling Stone doesn't do that. Um, I think the readership had was was massively female at the time. But I think mm. now, I think now with because most of this stuff happens online, there's a there's a much nastier side to it that's come out where yeah. whereas men now have more of a a, a route, an anonymous route through mm -hmm. to get to, um, to, to to women like that, and just you know it has gotten so much worse in, yeah. in, in a way and, and it not in a kind of 
with the tabloid stuff with sensationalism but now it's kind of outright dangerous and it's just horrible yeah. for people no that's like true that, you know? yeah yeah and, uh, but um but I think it's I think the documentary or sorry the podcast series I thought was very good I really enjoyed it I would have preferred less of the the, the dramatization stuff and but uh, and again I was going to say maybe a little bit of a a less biased eye on it but I I think for the most part it was very very fair you know mm, there's just yeah. a couple of things here and there where I kind of go well you really let that slide you mm-hmm. know uh, mm. but you know that's that's yeah. That, yeah, I would agree with that. I would definitely recommend it. I think uh, you learn a lot about her life and, mm. and her upbringing and the, and the case and everything else. And yeah, I would agree that I think sometimes there's too much of a kind of a, a golden hue put on Britney's life. Yeah. But, and that maybe a little bit more um, kind of uh, constructive criticism in a way. But I, I think overall, and also the dramatizations, I, I, I enjoyed them, but I thought, you know, there's maybe too many of them. But in general, I thought it was a really good podcast and I definitely, yeah, definitely recommend it. Yeah, and I guess it's, it's one of those things where you kind of go and you kind of, look at it and kind of go she is essentially like some kind of slave is, is the wrong word because of the connotations of that are, are you know mm. you don't want to trivialize that but she is like a like a carnival freak that's oh, yeah. been you 100%. know set to work yeah. and then has no mm. agency yeah. of their own and you know yeah the name yeah the term workhorse kept coming into my head yeah, for her. Just, she's just like this part this like and her dad know, nice des- pretty pony yeah. who's put out to to work and her dad did describe around. her as a racehorse in the in the thing yeah. he said she's a racehorse yeah, and needs to be treated that way yeah so you I know, know it's, she, it's she's terrible. taken out for performances and then mm. You know, pumped back in and pumped with drugs. Yeah, exactly. But it, it's just <laughs> an, like an awful situation. Yeah. But it does look like there might be some resolution to it. But they were yeah, saying it could take is, another year. Yeah, another year or so. But it's good that it's yeah. even. It's even yeah. kind of got and the she, ball rolling on this. And her her statement. Did you listen to her statement that she put out? Yeah. And she was, yeah, she was brilliant. Very she was, eloquent she, and yeah, yeah. yeah. So no, she was so good. lucid and knew exactly what she was talking about. And yeah, that, that's and you kind of think that should be enough. But she mm. now has to prove her her ability to she has to prove she doesn't need the conservatorship yeah but rather than the there was other lawyers way saying that no the conservatorship needs to prove that she yeah the burden of proof is on them yeah you know? yeah. Uh, yeah and no, up to this point be. she wasn't allowed to uh, choose her own lawyer yeah uh, yeah the one so she had she's... didn't seem wasn't telling that, her that she could yeah, appeal this yeah, and, yeah no it's, anyway yeah uh, right so we're, we're recommending that yeah it's on bbc sounds uh bbc, BBC sounds app yeah So our final, our final piece, our final feature, I suppose we could say, is uh, the album Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder. This was recommended to us by our mutual friend and colleague, uh, Dave Curran, and he may or may not be doing an intro to it. So either way, here's an intro to Songs in the Key of Life. By somebody, yeah. intro to uh, the Stevie Wonder record that we're looking at today, Songs in the Key of Life. So uh, Dave is a, a, a friend of Lorraine and mine and he 
was and still is the host of the Excellent Inspireland podcast, which you could do a lot worse than looking that up and checking out all the great episodes that Dave did. Fantastic interviews. Okay, I'm not going to do an impression, but here's what Dave had to say about uh, the record. I've heard of Stevie Wonder for years, but never sought out his music until he was heavily referenced in Donald Glover's TV series Atlanta in the classic Teddy Perkins episode. I spotified Stevie Wonder and the album Songs in the Key of Life was the most recommended, so I began listening to it then, 2018, and I've had it on pretty solid rotation since. What struck me first was the number of times it had been sampled in hip-hop tracks I liked. Further listens showed that not only had samples been used, but this album clearly influenced many of my favourite rappers, Kanye being the best known of these. The songs on the album are beautiful and Wonder's voice is painfully perfect in a way that very little modern production seems to capture. There's a gorgeous mix of sadness and beauty in the tracks, a kind of optimism for the future that suspects it's doomed to fail, but also knows, more importantly, that hope can be more important than world-weary cynicism. I've since learned that the album is a classic and features on many top 100 type lists. When Lorraine asked me to pick an album, I knew Will would be the harder of the two to please, but surely even connoisseur Will adore Stevie. Well, Will, uh, I can answer that now, of course. Who doesn't? I wouldn't trust a person who didn't adore Stevie Wonder. Uh, with that said, let's get back to our uh, assessment of this great record. Like we're editing, already... <laughs> editing is going to be it's going to be a master be, thing. We're going to win editing. an award for the editing yeah. of this thing. All right. So, so okay. So Stevie, yeah, right. So I was actually very happy when Dave suggested this, and thanks very much, Dave, as well. If you did do the intro, if not, then whatever. But um... <laughs> you thank yourself there for for having to do it for him. <laughs> thanks, whoever that was. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'd obviously I'd always heard of this album before. It always seems to be up there on the list of best albums of all time. Mm-hmm. And I knew a lot of the so- a good few of the songs from it, but I had actually never listened to it in full. I'd never listened to the whole okay. album. So when I saw that he recommended this, I was like, "Oh, this would be a good chance for me to listen to it." So had you listened to the whole album before? Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Now I really like Stevie Wonder, but I think mm-hmm. my first adult kind of contact with Stevie Wonder was probably I just called to say I love you. Okay, Which is, probably you know, one of the, 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 the lesser ones. One of the lesser ones. But like, yeah. I, I had heard songs of his growing up. Like, I remember hearing um, Master Blaster. You know Master Blaster? No, I don't think I do, actually. People, a lot of people think it's called Jammin'. Oh, okay. You know that Stevie Wonder Different. song? Anyway, look it up. I knew that song, and you know, Isn't She Lovely? All of those songs and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I knew the song Sir Duke, but I didn't know that's what it was called. Mm, um, neither, yeah. But, uh, so I, like, I knew his songs, like, he, but... I think because the song that hit me as an adult first was I just called Say I Love You. I was very dismissive of that. Mm -hmm. But I knew enough to know that he was really highly regarded and maybe Mm. this was a bit of a fall from grace a little bit. Even though it's a massively successful song, but it wasn't kind of... Yeah, musically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And in that moment in, um, what's that movie, High Fidelity? Mm -hmm. uh, They have that talking point in in the film and the book about... uh, you know, a, a, a poor song by a great artist. Do they get a pass for that and stuff like that? 
you know. I think so, they should. Oh, absolutely. They Stevie should. Wonder is beyond and, reproach. I don't care oh, what yeah. he does. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And especially after after listening. Like, I already had a very high opinion of him. but And then oh, I'd heard God. songs from this and I just knew he was amazing and, you know, mm. musical genius and all of that. But then when I listened to this, I was like, Jesus, he's actually he's uh, he's really incredible. good. He's incredible. <laughs> he's and, you know, he's... Uh, I, there's a gig on YouTube and if you it's it looks like it's in like a basement or something it doesn't look like it's in a club it's like a rehearsal studio but he's okay. got a full band he's wearing a denim shirt and he's got this kind of floppy-ish kind of cap on his head and it's just brilliant it's right. just brilliant and okay. just the, but the playing is so good and his musicianship is so good but what are you laughing at? So I'm just hat? laughing at the fact that, like, that's what you know. You're so you really know what he was wearing. <laughs> oh yeah, he looks so cool in it. I'm just kind of finding it. Poppy hat. Yeah, he this. just looks super cool in it. But um, <laughs> but that the seventies or when? Is yeah, that? I think it is. Uh, let me see. Yeah, it was in the seventies, definitely. <laughs> okay. But it's yeah. uh, it's oh here it is. It's uh, it's Stevie Wonder recorded after Music Laden, which must be some. Uh, it looks like a German festival or something. He's got okay. this denim kind of, not a floppy hat, but kind of a poofy hat with a peak on it. And he's Can got you send like that on to me? Because I'm trying to yeah, imagine yeah. what a floppy hat looks like. <laughs> oh, sorry. I just imagine putting these big hats that are flopping all over the place. <laughs> I've got to put it in the chat to you now. Hang on. Okay, great. I'll look at this now live. But, um, but okay, one second. I'm just going to look at this um, floppy hat. But uh, yeah, so so you had you had oh, oh yeah, sorry. like I'd seen a lot of him before, you know, and I I just think this gig is incredible, and he's just he's a denim jacket on as such, but he's okay. uh, but he's just okay, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> sorry, yeah, kind I'm of floppy. Just, I'm just seeing it now. <laughs> there is a name for that type of hat. I don't know. I know. What it I just can't think so what, they it's were they were really popular for a while. I had a hat like that in college, embarrassingly, and at the time I thought I looked so cool. And now I was going to say that must have been God. the nineties, but that's that's no, your, that was that has, to be, that has to be later than that. That was like two thousand five or two thousand six. I didn't look as cool as that. He also has loads of rhinestones on it as yes, well, yeah. and everybody else around him was wearing denim. Oh, everyone is so well. cool. And he's going that. mental at the piano. But oh, um, he is unreal. I, but you know the interesting thing was so Dave recommended this and I thought okay I've heard that this is an amazing album one of the best albums of all time everything else is considered that and then I started listening to it and I don't know what kind of mood I was in that day I think it's just it's so different to the type of music I've been listening to recently I thought oh god I don't want to listen to this I'm not going to like this and it started off and I was very I was really I was almost like a little grumpy teenager listening to it thinking (laughs) I actually in my mind I was thinking this is like old music or something like that. Yeah, like, the, like that something like I'd recommend to you, no doubt. Yeah. And I was just thinking, oh, I don't think I'm going to like this. And it started off, and then there was that uh, track called, what I thought is called Confusion, but it's actually Contusion. Contusion, <laughs> yeah. Contusion. And I was thinking, this Must be is a typo. weird. And then there was a couple of things. Anyway, then I listened to it a second time, or I listened to uh, whatever that journey was, I listened to it on the way back up. And then all of a sudden, it was kind of like when we, in our, one of our very first podcasts, when we started, we reviewed Westworld. Right. And I, I don't know if you remember, probably not, but at the time I was saying, when I first started watching it, I was thinking, oh, Westerns and robots, two things that I really don't like. <laughs> and I was really, and I was really uh, you know, really kind of, you know, judgmental about it from the start and kind of looking at it almost like, mm-hmm, yeah, impress yeah. me. That's how I kind of went into this, listening right. to this album. And then all of a sudden it got me out. It was the same with the album. And I don't know what moment it was, but when I started listening to it again, and just from the very first song, The Love's in Need of Love Today, I was just yeah. thinking, this is 
lovely and then as it went on it got even better because like you said Sir Duke I've heard that song so many times yeah. never knew that was the name never ever knew that yeah. was the name it's such a good song like it's, that's one of those songs that if that came on at a wedding or night out or oh. wherever music comes on now you know with all these you know yeah, wherever yeah. people are listening to music I'd, it's be so hard not to dance to it it's just got yeah. that type of rhythm and then the same then and then from Sir, Sir Duke on there's a couple of different songs that all are kind of featured They've been sampled heavily in oh, songs yeah. in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. So I wish when I started listening to that, I was thinking this. Oh, I already knew that that, that it's sampled in the Will Smith song "Wild Wild West," and I already knew that 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 you know. Wiki Wiki that. Wild Wild West. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> so awful. So so obviously the original is so much better than Wild yeah. Wild West. But when the chorus comes in, it is very hard not to sing Wild sure. Wild West in your yeah, head. Yeah. And then after that, then the next song then was. Um, Oh, the one that they sample in Ghetto's Paradise. Pastime Paradise. Paradise. Yeah. I say, and I had completely forgot that that was sampled in Kirby yeah. song. So, but the, I wish, I actually think that's possibly my favorite. Well, there, I've, there's loads of really good songs on the album, but it's mm. just so good. Like the bass in it is so good. And I think there's, a, there's lots of brass instruments in yeah. it as well. The keyboard, the pia- is it the piano or the keyboard that he plays in a lot of this? He, he plays an electric piano, I think. In most electric piano. Okay, yeah. yeah. Like you can imagine that being played at a live concert and mm. it, I, I would imagine they'd probably he, just go on for it hmm? he plays a clavinet as well which is the, the one on uh, uh, you know Superstition it's not on this record I don't yeah so. I actually thought Superstition was yeah. on this album before I started listening to yeah. it but uh, it's just such a good it's just a really catchy kind of boppity as I yeah. call it song it's got that same kind of thing that I think James Brown songs have where it's got that sort of beat where it's just like really hard not to dance it's really yeah. difficult either not to dance to it or at least bop your head around to it yeah. if you don't like dancing or kind of shifting about in your seat a little bit but, but I think that <laughs> he's got um I always think about James Brown as that, like you say, exactly. It's 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 music that's very hard to resist. Yeah, do you know what I mean. Yeah. But I I think I don't think of James Brown in terms of songs. I yeah, think of him it's in more terms of, of the feel and yeah, the, the yeah, way yeah. you do that. But yeah. I think with this, he is very song oriented. Oh yeah, there's and, so, I, and there's just yeah, there's so many songs. So is this kind of? Sorry, were you going to say something? No, there? I was just going to say his songs are so are so complex in terms of mm. the chords they choose They're, he's very very uh interesting what he does because i i uh, i looked at a lot of his songs just to figure out what he was doing and kind of trying to understand the chord sequences and how he does it because they're so mm. well put together i but, was going to ask you that from a musician's point of view um are are his songs difficult to play are they kind of they're yeah, they are difficult to play, but I think even more, I think they're difficult to write because mm-hmm. I think with, with what he's doing is he's drawing in so much from from different, like it's, it, you could, there's loads of Motown kind of parallels, or not parallels, but influences. It's a Motown record, mm-hmm. but he, he, he has all that influence. But mm. in, with Motown, he was the influence on a lot of people. So he's yeah. not the Motown sound is, is, is largely him in a lot of ways. So right, there's okay. that, but there's also, there's jazz elements in there. Mm. There's uh, big band elements. There's uh, funk. There's, you know, mm. all kind. Of, but, and all the players are so good. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, he so does incredibly them. interesting things with. Yeah. And is this kind of considered his best album? It's usually or, or... this or Inner Visions is okay. the other one. So Inner Visions is... I think I almost prefer Intervisions only because I find that most double albums can't quite pull off the trick of every track being good or it feeling like one. It can often feel like 
two albums rather than one big album. Do you know what I mean? Right. On, yeah. on, on um, uh, Inner Visions is Living for the City, uh, Higher Ground. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about a thing. He's Mister Know It All and stuff like that. All these great songs. Yeah, he's got so many. Yeah, and, uh, he's then, just. Sorry, go on. No, no, you go on. Yeah, he's got another there. album called uh, what is it called? Fulfilling this first finale, which is mm-hmm. another kind of. He did this kind of run of um, of three or four records in the seventies, which are just kind of you know they're virtually flawless anything Mm. that anyone would have to say about them would be uh would be nitpicking and talking book talking book okay i must listen to some of his other albums like i think because i'd always heard of this particular album but i didn't realize first of all it was it was made in 1976 i didn't realize it was as early as that and he was only 26 when he did this yeah, but he had been a child star, like he was. Yeah, so yeah. that was the. So I don't know much about Stevie Wonder, so I read up a little bit about him, you know, when we were when I was just researching for this. So I didn't realize he was only twenty six. That's crazy. Yeah. And also, just before this came out, he was considering giving up music for good. He mm. was kind of like, oh yeah, this is you know, I don't know if I'm going to bother doing another one. And then he did this album, but yeah. it's you know, possibly his his best album ever, one of his best albums. Yeah, anyway. I think from seventy two to seventy six, I think he put out four records. Which is almost unheard of right, today, you know. Okay, yeah, it is unheard. Of. Nobody does that. But he's, yeah. uh, I think he's a ridiculous talent. Unbelievable. He's so unbelievably talented. And then there's a couple of songs as well that, like, like by the third or fourth listen, or even by the second or third. And I find this happens with Beatles songs. And to me, this is kind of like a hallmark of a very good song. By the second time or third time I've listened to it, I feel like it's a song I've known for years, yeah, even though I've yeah. just heard. And I find that happens a lot, especially with McCartney songs. I think yes. that seems to be a bit of a thing. I don't know if they're yeah. just really catchy or whatever it is. But like, there's a couple of them, like, um, you know, there was the obvious ones that, that I mentioned there. And then that song, As, which again, didn't know that that's a brilliant, that is such a good song. And that's then there's the, another is one. that the one that... Uh, uh, that's sampled as well it's um i think mary j blige sampled that is that the one that she sang with george michael yes that one but yeah. his version is so much better and yeah. it goes on for it's a really long so i think yeah, it's like seven minutes or something like that, that. Yeah. but um yeah and the other thing is i i can i can listen to this i have the second half of the album to look forward to because for whatever reason when i was listening to it it stopped halfway through right. and went back to the first one so i thought it was finished and it was only today i realized oh wait there's like there's a whole 11 more songs because <laughs> there's 21 songs yeah. on the album which is yeah. crazy but but they're all there's so many of them that are so good and like even the hooks i was thinking oh i prefer the first half to the second half but i actually don't think that's true i think i just knew more songs than the first half yeah. but there's so many songs like there's songs like knocks me off my feet which i didn't think i would like that song the first time i heard it right. but the second time i really liked it but um summer soft is uh, was really lovely as well as is great and kind of like what i was saying about metro area when i was listening to it earlier on because it's such nice kind of happy warm music mm. it's a really nice music to listen to when it's sunny i yeah, find it's yeah. really kind of sunny music actually like, do you know what yeah. i meant to say to you that uh i listened to metro area again oh on, yeah on headphones and right. enjoyed it so much more I well, really what way it, were you yeah. listening to it before uh, initially in the car oh and, okay. uh, and then i was yeah. i listened to it on um because like, that's where i get the chance to listen to most music okay was, yeah um, yeah so i listened to on headphones and i really liked it much yeah, more. yeah that's oh that's i saw that in the intro in the intro mm, to the yes. uh, episode of spotify it's like oh that's brilliant so you, yeah. so you like it now yeah absolutely i really do, <laughs> I really do. yeah that's the thing about music it's like it does seem like you kind of you, you kind of have to listen to music on good head, headphones sometimes yeah. and especially and if it's your first time listening to it yeah uh, and, but also isn't it kind of weird that it's it's almost like I don't get a chance to listen to albums 
a couple of times there's so much competing for your ears in terms of podcasts mm. i tend I, I tend to catch up on podcasts when i'm in the car and i yeah. don't tend to listen to music at home music yeah no i'm i'm yeah yeah i, I see i listen to music i suppose yeah in the car a lot but then i'd also listen to it uh, cycling i find okay. cycling and yeah. i was listening to this as i was cycling today and it was lovely because it was so sunny and yeah. everything else so, but and the same with metro area so i yeah. kind of associate it then with my cycles which is you know gives it kind of another another reason for me to like yeah. it yeah but i was listening to um even when the, the the second side started on this and it was isn't she lovely which is one of those yeah. kind of it's almost a standard at this point it's it's mm. kind of like uh we've heard it so many times and you could easily be forgiven for, well it could easily be dismissed as cheesy mm, but yeah. it's just such a wonderful joyous yeah, piece so of music lovely. and it's just it's yeah. got a, such a bounce to it and a lightness of touch that yeah. it's just i think it's because you know when you listen back to when you listen to stuff like this like metro area is is what they call quantized to an inch of its life so it okay. basically means it's recorded on a grid and mm. everything is locked onto that yeah. grid whereas yeah, with a yeah. real drummer there's <laughs> yeah. this push and pull it with it things and it's just things speed up and they slow down and it yeah. introduces more of a feel to a song you know mm. which is yeah. which on the metro area album they do have a real drummer but he is playing on, on a click Okay. And uh, when and, and I've heard a lot of drummers uh, use the description. I can't remember who said it first, but basically saying playing to a click is like driving with a police car behind you. You okay. know, you, you know. So right. it's like you're constantly making sure you don't do anything wrong, and as a result, okay. you get this robotic performance. And yeah. if you listen to a lot of music these days, uh, like listen to anything that's in the last fifteen years, and listen, to, say, the kick drum. That kick drum mm. is the same on every note. It doesn't vary at all. Whereas a real person playing a kick drum, it, like say if I do four hits and mm. 100% is, is the perfect one, I might get 90, 98, 96, 93% of that on each hit. And that would be a brilliant drummer getting that. Right, but, yeah. but what you get is feel. You get a bit of humanity in the play mm, no and that. and that was and this actually has something, it in every song yeah you know? and that was something that I, I really liked about listening to this because i have been listening to a lot of music that like you said it doesn't i i really like it but it doesn't have that kind of sometimes human feel to it that where you know it's you could, it could change at any moment or like just yeah. anytime if you listen to say a live version it would be slightly different to to what you're listening to on the record yeah. so that was lovely and i'm kind of looking forward now to listening to more music like this i suppose, yeah. I suppose kind of like jam sessions and musicians yeah. and different things like that but there is one song and i'd love if we could play out this episode oh, yeah. with it um it's called another star and i okay. don't think i'd I heard it before i just thought that was a brilliant song i was yeah. so happy especially towards the end of the second half of the song i just what? thought I was listening to it earlier on I get to think this is a brilliant song yeah, and, and I, I don't and, think and I'd heard it before that's what I love about his music is that um, uh, there was an episode in the Simpsons where, where Homer meets the Smashing Pumpkins and, oh yeah uh, and uh, <laughs> it's brilliant because he, he says uh Billy Corgan says, hi, Billy Corgan, Smashing Pumpkins. And he goes, Homer Simpson, smiling politely. Um, <laughs> but it, he said something like uh, writing sad songs for kids, teenagers is like shooting a fish in a barrel. Do you know what I mean? I think, I think it's much harder to write a song that has some kind of joy about it and some kind yeah. of happiness yeah, and bounce so. about it. I think yeah. that's much harder. And Without he really it being cheesy. It. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. he does it and he makes everything sounds very warm. And even when he, even the synthesizer stuff he uses sounds very warm and human as well. Yeah. And I, I just think he's an 
he's an epic talent and yeah. his stuff could go up against anyone's yeah, and there's no, not definitely. many people you could say that about and you, yeah. you think no Stevie Wonder then you know Prince is a very different person uh, as a result. there's loads of people who you go if it wasn't for Stevie Wonder this guy would be significantly different you know I think, yeah, yeah uh, it seems so like I, that I think yeah. he's uh, and I would really recommend uh, Intervisions as well okay I must listen to that yeah because I'm kind of yeah I'm looking forward to now I I still have sort of the second half of this album to to listen to again so I'm going to listen to that and then I'll listen to Intervisions is is that other right okay and which album is Superstition on? Superstition is on uh, let me just check you know I just saw a second ago I think it is on oh um Talking Book, I think it's on. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Okay. That's another one I could listen to. Too. Yeah, Talking Book but has some great stuff on it. Okay, great. Uh, so that's a couple of, yeah. just check for you. Yeah, there's Talking Book. It's, uh, yeah. Okay. Superstition, yeah. And You Were the Sunshine Brilliant. of My Life is on it. And oh, yeah, that's it's, a lovely it's, song, yeah. He's got so many great but, songs. And I yeah. Believe, which is great. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But that's great. Yeah. So, so that, thanks very much for that, big, Dave. Big thumbs up for that. Yeah, that's All right, great. so we'll finish up with uh, maybe a recommendation or two. Okay, yeah, I've only got go one. So okay, yeah. my recommendation is a TV show that I watched uh, over a couple of days. It's six episodes, I think about half an hour each. It's called mm-hmm. McCartney 321. And okay. it's, it's a Hulu TV show. Um, and it is basically Paul McCartney in a studio with producer Rick Rubin. Okay. You know, you know Rick oh, Rubin? Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, the producer, yeah. He, yeah, he, I, that guy is... a it's brilliant so you've yeah, got yeah he, he's the, the guy who like brings people back from the absolutely, dead kind of doesn't yeah. it yeah and he did all the beastie boy stuff as well and, yeah or yeah. a lot of it anyway um <clears throat> but he's um yeah so they're just talking about their songs and how he, he or the mccartney songs and how he did them and how they came up with them and stuff like that and he's got the a desk set up and he can play it back and he's got the stems so he can just uh, solo the bass and stuff like that or the drums or whatever and talk about it mm-hmm. but it's a real I think anyone would be interested in it with a passing interest in music. But if you're if you're into the nerdy side of it and you want to hear the stories about how songs are written or recorded, I think it's really great. There's a moment oh, in yeah. it where he solos the bass on the song Something, you know, the George oh, Harrison yeah. song Something. Yeah. And it is unbelievable. It's mm. so good. And it's just a reminder of if a reminder was ever needed good, yeah. about what a yeah. talent Paul McCartney was. Yeah, I um, do like being reminded how talented people are. Yeah. I don't even mean that. No, no, he, it's like you know, because you know the way sometimes when people are really lauded, like Stevie Wonder, as these musical geniuses. After all, you're just like, oh yeah, yeah, the Beatles, yeah, yeah they're great, yeah. But yeah. then when you're reminded, oh wow, no, they they, yeah. they were very, they're kind of in a league of their own. Yeah, so and they also are definitely they, they did a, an episode. A big chunk of it was about the recording of. Uh, yesterday mm-hmm. uh, just with the string quartet or octet I think it was in the end but um, but just what a radical idea that was in uh, 1965 or whatever it was 64 yeah. maybe uh, and he realized you know this is half a century ago mm-hmm. yeah, you know? and it, but also like there's a great documentary you can find on YouTube I think it's called 20th Century Greats hosted mm-hmm. by a guy called Howard Goodall who's a composer what he does is he goes through Lennon and McCartney songs and talks about musically why they are interesting or impressive or the techniques oh, that they're using. And he he's oh. the first one to say, look, 
there's a uh, there's a note at the end of uh, Eleanor Rigby. The way that note finishes, it's a very mm. odd choice of final chord and note. And he was he tells you what it is, and it's this. Uh, I think it's like a medieval kind of uh, technique, type, or a thing that came about. It's very typical of medieval music. And he was saying, like, you know, Lennon and McCartney, they didn't know, they wouldn't have heard medieval music, they wouldn't have heard this, but where they did hear it was in church. So okay. they were bringing in aspects of, you know, religious music and very old religious music into modern pop and just how they synthesized things that had never been done before. And in a way, you can kind of go, when, when none of this stuff had really been done before, I guess the playing field is wide open to drag things in and be the mm. first to do it. But you could also argue that it's even harder to do it when no one else has done it before. And you're just, mm -hmm. you know, so yeah, I'd recommend, yeah. great, really recommend it. The one on YouTube really yeah. is, yeah, it's called 20th Century Greats. It was a mm. series and one episode was devoted to Lennon McCartney. But the okay. Hulu thing is McCartney 321 and okay. uh, beautifully shot. It's all in black and white. They've got a stage set up and there's a circular track with a camera rotating around it. And um, it's just so interesting. I just yeah, devoured the whole thing. Yeah, That so, sounds really good. Yeah, no, I'm not sure where you can those. find it now. I, I have my nefarious methods. I'm sure other people mm. do too. So, yeah. uh, but it'll be on TV at some point, but keep an eye out okay. for it. Yep. That's great. That sounds really good. I actually haven't been watching that much stuff since the last um, episode because I was I was trying to fit in um, This Way Up and the pieces of Britney as well. But one thing I did kind of start watching in the meantime was Somebody Feed Phil. Have you ever what watched that, that on Netflix? Somebody Feed Phil? No. It's, uh. it's, a, it's a show on Netflix. It's been on for a while. And it's the man... Sorry, I, I just accidentally put it on there. It's the man who wrote Everybody Loves Raymond. I think he's one of the writers of that. He's from New York. Okay. He's kind of like the main character in Everybody Loves Raymond. And he, it's like Anthony Bourdain. It's been around for a good while now. Um, one of my friends loves it, Anne. And uh, Anne, who's a listener to this show. Hi, oh, Anne, hello, if you're Anne. listening. And uh, she uh, she recommended it. And she, she, she'd she mentioned it a couple of times. I just started watching it there last week. And, it, you know, it's like Anthony Bourdain in that he goes to different countries and he tastes the food in that those oh, countries. Okay. cities sorry uh, cities so the first one is Bangkok but he's just such a lovely smiley character and he's very funny yeah, he's got I'm that very New York humor yeah. yeah and that's a lovely it's a really nice kind of feel cool. good show so that's something I started watching and I would recommend that but it'll be the only thing is it's kind of because I was kind of okay with not traveling for the last two years but yeah. when I started watching that I was like oh I yeah. really want to start <laughs> traveling again but uh, no it's, it's, it's very good so that, that's something I've been watching at cool. the moment that's it. All right. Brilliant. Okay. I'm off I to watch, uh, listen to the Britney podcast, <laughs> and then edit it in earlier on in this. In this Back show. in time. Yeah. Yeah, time travel episode. <laughs> <laughs> fire up the DeLorean and get, get yeah. this episode finished. Can I be the, the, the crazy doctor? Yeah. Doc, 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 doc Brown. Doc? Yeah. I can't say Doc. Doc Brown. Okay. All right. As All right, usual, we've no idea what we're going to look at next nope. but mm -mm. it'll be something yep <laughs> sure will <laughs> what, a, what a pro yeah there'll be something we watch or listen to <laughs> all right all right okay, okay till next time all right then. until then bye, bye. Oh, that was lovely no, that was good. lovely beautiful well thing yeah <laughs> right. okay i'm gonna stop recording oh i'm still recording yeah stop it here and then i'll stop it here <laughs>